Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on First Lady and Friends, we had an incredible guest, Emma Broyles, Miss America 2022. We're so honored to have her here. We had a great conversation about our shared passion for the Special Olympics and our amazing people of determination or people that have intellectual disabilities. Uh, she's an amazing ambassador for the Special Olympics and just an all-around amazing person. So hope you take a listen and I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get proximate. We're back here on First Lady and Friends. We are thrilled to have a guest here that I met several months ago at the USA Games in Disney World, Florida. She and I share a passion for Special Olympics, and uh, her name is Emma Broyles. She just happens to be Miss America... 2022. So welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so good to see you again. Again, just to reiterate, it was such a random coincidence that we met each other. So we met on the very last day of the USA Games. We were actually watching the surfing competition for Special Olympics. The very Which, first. Come on, you guys. Surfing. Right? It was so cool. Um, and we have to note that it was held at Typhoon Lagoon, yes. the water park at Disney, at Disney World. Anyways, um, and I had just happened to be flying to Salt Lake City the next morning right. and it was such a coincidence that we met and what a lovely coincidence at that. I was so, so privileged to meet you and to know that we have this shared passion together right. and we, we talked a little bit about that and at the time we said we would love to have you come out to one of our events. Yes! And you're here. We're oh my so goodness. happy. You are here to participate in our Unified Soccer Tournament that's happening tomorrow at the RSL Stadium, and we're so thrilled to have you here to join with us. I'm so excited to be here. Last time I was here was back in June, and it was my very first time in the state of Utah. I was in Salt Lake City, and now it's so fun to be back because I really loved Salt Lake City when I was here, and it's such a treat to be back, especially now to be doing an event with Special Olympics Utah. I am so excited for tomorrow. I can't even express. Yeah, we are too, and anybody that wants to, to come out tomorrow, it'll be amazing where it's at RSL Stadium pretty much all day long. So we'd love to have you out there. Um, 
So let's, before we get into our shared passion and, and talk about what we're doing there, let's, let's go back. You are from Alaska. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Alaska. Did you grow up in Alaska? Yeah. So I was actually born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. So the big city and both of my parents were actually also born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And it was a really neat childhood. I guess I didn't really understand that being from Alaska was different until yeah. we would go, you know, on vacation to Disney World and people would say you're from Alaska and be like yeah I mean I don't I think I don't think it's that strange but it, it was a really wonderful childhood you know I'm sure people in Utah can relate but just being surrounded um, by such lush nature is so wonderful I think it really encouraged us as kids to not spend a lot of time indoors you know we were always outside um, doing outdoor activities and so I think my upbringing in Alaska certainly made me the person that I am today. That's amazing. And so talk a little bit about your family um, in Alaska. You said your mom and dad both grew up there. Mm -hmm. Do you have siblings? Um, What kinds of things did you do there? What were your parents involved in? Right. So my dad... My dad is actually an engineer in Alaska, and my mom is a special education teacher. And I have two brothers. My younger brother uh, is actually a sophomore at the University of Miami, and then my older brother, Brendan, has Down syndrome. And he's the reason I got involved with Special Olympics in the first place. So when he was about seven years old, and I would have been six at the time, when he first became eligible to become a Special Olympics athlete, he'd go to his track and field practices twice a week. And of course, you know how the whole family goes with, because we can't leave the other kids at home. So my younger brother, Ben, and I would always go to track and field practice with Brendan, and we'd run with the athletes, you know, we'd throw the tennis balls back, and that was pretty much a big part of my life twice a week. Um, every week growing up until I moved away for college. And so that was really how I got my start with Special Olympics is because I really just was thrown into it head first. And my mom actually, funny enough, was already a special education teacher Mm -hmm. before she was blessed with a child with an intellectual disability. So that's a really cool thing. And she is the perfect person to raise a child with an intellectual disability, I think. She was also on the governor's council back in Alaska for... um, special needs and education. So it's really, really neat. Um, I think I kind of modeled a lot of my life after hers and her advocacy and the work that she does in making sure that we have a good education system for students like her son. Um, so it's really, really wonderful that I've been able to, at a young age, be exposed to people of different backgrounds. And I think it made me the person I am today. And it's why I'm so passionate, especially as Miss America, in getting people involved in Special Olympics, because I think being able to build a relationship with somebody who's unlike you is going to open your mind and really allow you to kind of have an open mindset in everything else that you do in your life. I agree. Uh, And that's kind of been my experience. I've talked a lot about on this program about, you know, my experience with my friends that had Down syndrome that I grew up with that were part of my life, still part of my life. I just ran into my dear friend, John Johansson at uh, when I was at home the other day at and, and he you know, it was it was just a delight to see him again. Right. He's a childhood friend and and one of my heroes. Um, I I love this idea of 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 you learning how to connect with people that are different mm-hmm. from you through your experience with your brother. Talk a little bit about what it was. What kinds of challenges did you see him having in maybe a school setting? I know your mom was a special educator. So mm-hmm. how did you as a family navigate some of maybe some of the challenges that you saw with Brendan? Right. So I think kind of the biggest thing was, you know, of course, my parents would 
um, sign me and my brothers up for soccer and we'd all play soccer together and we'd do swimming lessons together. And as we all grew older, we found that it was harder for Brendan to keep up with the rest of the kids his age. And it was kind of a frustrating thing to see. I guess I didn't totally understand what was going on at the time. I didn't really understand that there was something that made him different. But as we grew older, it was harder and harder for him to keep up with the kids his age and to communicate with the other students in his classes and such. Um, And so it was kind of just a difficult thing to see. And because he was able to have Special Olympics to do sports and to participate in sports with people at the same level as him, it really allowed him to blossom. And that was the special thing. And then in high school... Um, of course, we had a really, really great special ed program at my high school, and we actually had a special Olympic school program called the Partners Club. And my high school um, at service actually had over 200 members in the Partners Club, and everyone knew what Partners Club was. You know, um, during passing period, all of the students who were in the life skills class would stand in the hallway and high five um, the gen ed students as they were walking back. It was just such a cool thing to see. You know, you'd see varsity football players walking down the hallway hand in hand with a student who had autism or a student who had Down syndrome. It was a really wonderful thing to see. And so I actually was fortunate enough to be the president of the Partners Club uh, my senior year of high school and really get to watch those relationships blossom between people with and without intellectual disabilities. And that was a really important thing for me to see was that people should have the opportunity to meet somebody who's unlike them. And so I think that in doing that, I can do my part in creating a community that's a little bit more inclusive and open-minded toward people like my brother. Did you see um, your peers or maybe, um, you know, Brendan's peers or peers to our our friends with intellectual disabilities? Did you see a change in them? What what kinds of things did you see? I mean, I know just when I've watched um, these relationships blossom and I know I'm the one that was changed by by my association and my friendship with with my friends Um and oh, I have to say, like, there's this. We went to on this trade mission to UAE and to Dubai and met some of their special uh, athletes, their special Olympics athletes, and what the, the how they referred to them was people of determination, which I thought was I so that. beautiful, and I'm totally adopting right. it. So, t- talk a little bit about you know maybe the change we see when we are associated or friends when we create these right. friendships with our friends of determination. Right. Well, I think the biggest thing there is allowing yourself the opportunity to strengthen your empathy muscle. So actually, when I was actually, I was just in Detroit a few months ago, or actually, I take it back, it was just in August for the Unified Cup. So yeah. athletes from all over the world came together to compete with their countries for the Soccer Cup. And it was it was really neat because I was able to attend a panel and we had this discussion about about the fact that humans aren't born wanting to exclude others, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something that people are actively doing. It's not like they're thinking, oh, that person's different from me. I don't want to talk to them. It's simply that they don't have the opportunity to do so. And so creating those opportunities for especially young students, because I think that's kind of the key part there is starting students, giving students the opportunity when they're young to meet others who are unlike them and creating that opportunity for them to build new relationships is so incredibly important. That's why I love 
the Unified program so much is because it encourages people to come together through sports, right? It's not just you put two people in a room who are unlike each other and say, become friends, right? Right, right? They have that common ground of sports. And then those relationships just form naturally. And that's the really, really neat thing about Special Olympics as a whole is the fact that it takes on that one idea that Eunice Kennedy Shriver had, you know, 50 plus years ago, that sports can really be that common ground. Yeah, and and I guess one one other um, really incredible thing that that I didn't really understand until I've gotten to um, know Special Olympics more is this healthy athletes idea, right. and we have a lot of our Special Olympians or our people of determination that end up having a lot of um, physical health mm-hmm. issues as well as as their intellectual challenges. But what what I've seen is this idea that healthy healthy bodies and healthy minds are really critical to our people of determination what what are you seeing i mean did you, did your brother have you know was he seeing the health benefits uh, and the friends that you were able to associate with are you seeing those health benefits with with your friends right well we were very fortunate in that brendan had all of the resources available to him to live a healthy lifestyle from a young age but what we see is that most often this really marginalized group of people with intellectual disabilities don't get the proper treatment that they require or when i was actually at the in detroit for the unified cup i was speaking with a few doctors who were there doing healthy athletes, which, by the way, healthy athletes, um, all students, all people who participate in Special Olympics get free um, access to healthcare, which is so, so neat. So they bring in doctors from all different fields. And I'm actually, as a future as a future doctor, I'm definitely going to be giving back in that way. But it was neat because I was talking to an eye doctor and he was saying a lot of times he'll find athletes who have glasses, but they have a prescription that's entirely incorrect for their needs. And so it's just about kind of bringing those resources in so that people with intellectual disabilities can have a doctor who's trained and who knows how to communicate with them, right? Like um, bringing in iPads for people who are nonverbal so that they can communicate with their doctor and say, no, that prescription doesn't work for me. I need something stronger. No, it still doesn't feel just right. Um, Another thing is that a lot of athletes don't even wear shoes that fit them, right? You know, they, especially if they're nonverbal, it's hard for them to communicate with somebody and say, those shoes feel a little too tight for me. They feel a little bit too big. So that's a really neat thing is not just creating the opportunities for sports, but also bringing in the resources so that athletes can excel in their sports activities. Yeah, no, I think that was so critical. That was so mind opening to me um, when when we went through the healthy athletes um, area where we we saw all the things that they were doing. It was just it it blew my mind. I just I couldn't believe yeah, and All it's this. so cool that there's yeah. so many doctors and healthcare workers out there who are so willing to give up their time and their efforts to to donate what they have, their resources to people with intellectual disabilities. Yeah, I thought that was incredible. I mean, world world renowned audiologist right. that I spoke to right. um, that was helping uh, athletes get a hearing test so yeah. that they they could walk out with a hearing aid. I, I just it was unbelievable. I just yeah. I I couldn't believe all the things that were going on. I think the Special Olympics movement is is like you said it's been going on for 50 years plus. Um it's a, it's a beautiful movement. I think there's still a lot to do. What do you see as maybe the next steps for Special Olympics what they could address um things right. that maybe where we can get to in the future. Exactly. And another thing, I always 
just forget the outreach that Special Olympics has. So when I was at the USA Games, I got to attend a few conferences with global leaders, so athletes who have intellectual disabilities from around the world. So they come together to do these conferences to talk about how can we make Special Olympics better. And Special Olympics has so many additional initiatives that are completely unrelated to the sports aspect of Special Olympics. So, for example, they're training educators on how to be how to build more inclusive environments for students with intellectual disabilities. They're training future health professionals to teach them how they can be better carers for those intellectual disabilities, ways that they can communicate with people who have intellectual disabilities. And then they're also inviting, this was something really interesting that people said, inclusion is not just about having a seat at the table, it's about having an active role in the conversation as well. So it's really neat to see that Special Olympics has been bringing on athletes um, to be on the boards and to be at the front making the decisions. So I'm really excited to see where they continue to take that forward. I agree. That's one thing that I didn't know was happening. I didn't either. (laughs) Blown away by, I was like you, I I was participating in some of these international meetings and, and the actual um, people of determination were, were in the room having a seat at the table and having a voice in making those decisions, which I thought, you know, they were the driving voice in my opinion, what, from what I saw to what what was what was going to come out of those meetings. Right. Yeah. So I, I thought it was wonderful. Um, I want to continue this conversation and talk more about your experience as Miss America, how you got here, and we'll do that when we come right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back here with Emma Broyles, Miss America 2022. Just so delightful. She and I have uh, have this amazing shared passion for people of determination, people with intellectual disabilities and for Special Olympics and what the movement is and what it can be. Um, I do want to get into, I mean, you're Miss America. How do you get there? I mean, you're this girl from Alaska. Uh, How does, how does one uh, begin? I, I assume you started young and doing pageants. Was that something you loved? Was it something you your mom decided you wanted to do or is this something that you just yeah tell me about your journey 
Yeah. So the the interesting thing about Miss America, and the thing I, probably the thing I love most about it, is that anyone can be Miss America, right? It doesn't matter how much money you have, where you come from, who you are, what your background is. You can win Miss America. I think people usually describe Miss America as being the girl next door. I think it's kind of the definition of overnight fame. You know, mm-hmm. one day I was just in college, you know, in my dorm room doing homework every day, and then the next day I'm on a plane every 48 hours going to a new city. Um, so I actually didn't really do these competitions growing up at all. You know, I definitely was very into theater. Um, it was kind of a majority of what I did. I think at one point, this is so embarrassing, but I think my Instagram bio said, sorry, I can't. I have rehearsal, which is so embarrassing <laughs> when I was in like seventh grade. I think I was doing Wizard of Oz at the time or something. But it's hilarious. It was never really something that I even thought I would be able to do. But when I was 15, somebody told me about the Miss America organization and that I could earn scholarships by competing. So I did Miss Anchorage's Outstanding Teen. And then after that, I went to Miss Alaska's Outstanding Teen and then to Miss America's Outstanding Teen. So this happened in like a one year period. It was really fun. I earned like $5,000 in scholarships plus um like full ride scholarships to a bunch of different schools as well that were in kind scholarships. And then um, I turned 16 and I was like, you know, I'm going to finish high school, start college. And then all of a sudden last year, or it would have been um, while I was going into my junior year of college, I realized, dang, school's really expensive and I really (laughs) can't afford this. And I remember that I could compete in the Miss America organization and earn some scholarships. So I competed for Miss Alaska that summer and I was lucky enough to win. And then six months later, before I knew it, I was at Miss America and blinked and now I'm here, (laughs) you know, 10 months into my year or so. So it's really been a whirlwind. But that's the really neat thing is that you don't actually before I when I competed for Miss Alaska I bought my dress for like $150 from eBay two weeks before the competition and I decided I want to compete I think three weeks before the competition Um, so it was totally a whirlwind decision but that's the really neat thing is that you don't have to you know spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on gowns and you don't have to grow up and you don't have to hire a coach you know you can really just kind of show up and compete and earn some money I'm shocked at that actually because I think that is the idea that most of us have Mm -hmm. is that you've you know we've seen those shows with the teeny little girls oh yeah yes Toddlers and tiaras, yes. right? <laughs> I mean, we've seen all those, right. and where they, you know, start from teeny weeny, and they're putting thousands and thousands of dollars right. into these mm-hmm. little gown, like all this stuff. And and yeah. I think people get a little turned off at that, right. thinking, mm-hmm. you know, this is what are we doing to little girls? But right. I, I, it was funny. My my daughter, she came to me one time, and this was probably three years ago, four years ago, and she said. I want to do this Little Miss Fairview, which is oh, <laughs> our little teeny small town. And I'm like, no, because I grew up right. playing sports. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then, you know, I was really kind of like I was being really discriminatory because I just had in my mind these stereotypes of, of what, you know, a pageant girl right. was or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was, no, these these girls are working really hard on talents. They to be up in front of somebody on a stage is amazing, 
right. practice for life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're experiencing this to be able to to get up and speak on something um, to have, you know, you did theater. Right. So that's a great prep mm-hmm. for for, you know, getting over that fear yes. of being in front of people, right. being able to speak. I mean, when you go in for a job interview, I bet you knock it out of the park because you understand how to do that. I mean, right. what are some of the skills you feel like? you've learned along the way. Yeah. So the other really awesome thing about the Miss America organization is that about, I think, four or five years ago, we got rid of the swimsuit section of competition. And oh, then, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, so they got rid of all of the phases of competition that are basically judging you on your appearance. So now the phases of competition are your private interview with the judges and then your onstage question. And you give a little um, kind of like a short TED talk about your social impact initiative, mine is Special Olympics. And then um, you also get another onstage question. So it's really awesome that now, like the judging rubric, if you look through it, you can see that there's no sections of competition that are judging you on your appearance, which is amazing because it makes it that much more um, accessible and diverse and inclusive. But yeah, so the really great thing, I mean, so for your Miss America interview, you're grilled for 10 minutes. You know, there's like a panel of five judges in front of you and you're grilled for 10 minutes about political questions. So they'll ask you the hardest and most controversial questions they can possibly think of. And you have to do your best to answer while stating your opinion without stepping on anybody's toes. And, you know, now whenever I go into a job interview, I'm like, there's no way that's going to be nearly as hard as my Miss America interviews. So this is going to be a breeze, right? So really those interview skills, um, being up in front of a large group of people, I feel like a lot of people my age and younger, kind of especially in the social media age, we have a hard time being in front of a crowd of people or kind of developing like our stage presence because we get kind of, I don't know, I, you know, there's uh, there's all of that weird disconnect these days with screens. So it's a really great skill to have. And then also the, oh, I'm, I forgot to mention when I was saying the sections of competition, there's also a talent section of competition, which is weighted quite heavily. Um, so it's really cool because it kind of encourages young women to have um, a social cause they're passionate about, to have have a talent and then um, to also be good at public speaking. So I think that's something that is important that, you know, especially young people learn to not put all their eggs in one basket. I love that experience. I love that you have had this these incredible opportunities to really grow. You know, we talk a lot about women in politics. I love that you've had the opportunity to to really study politics so that you'll be prepared for these types of questions. I think we need women, no matter what they're doing, to have that kind of confidence Mm -hmm. To to be able to speak to somebody, to speak to a group, to to be confident in your own abilities, right? To think through a problem mm-hmm. or you know whatever it is. So and yeah. then to be able to develop a talent. So talk a little bit about um, you know being on stage and how you decided what you were, what kind of talent you had, and and how you developed that. Yeah. So I actually also grew up singing. I I mentioned earlier that I grew up in theater, but it was musical theater to specify. As you can imagine, <laughs> I my bedroom wall at home was covered in posters from all of my favorite um, musicals. <laughs> so what's your favorite? What do you love? Oh, my goodness. I think my favorite right now is probably Mean Girls, but I also really like Wicked. I actually just saw it when I was in Chicago about a week ago Amazing. for the second time, and it was so good. Oh, I just... I love it. But it it was also a challenging choice. I had to pick between being a Broadway star or a doctor. And (laughs) I ended up choosing being a doctor because I knew uh, there was there was too much risk with me becoming a Broadway star. I didn't know I was going to make it all the way. But it's so funny. 
I knew that I was going to, of course, want to sing. But the other really neat thing is that um, one of our top five at Miss America was Miss New York, and she delivered an original poem, and it was phenomenal. Mm. And I think that's a really cool thing is you don't have to have a traditional talent. The Miss America before me actually did a science demonstration. She's almost done with pharmacy school right now, and she did a science demonstration. She made elephant toothpaste, and she explained the chemical reactions that were occurring to create the big explosion of foam. Um, so it's really cool that you don't just have to have a traditional talent of singing or dancing you know you can do anything under the sun that you feel you can express yourself with such an important skill and and like i said it really develops that confidence right to to confidence in your own abilities and confidence to to really be front and center i know there's a lot Mm -hmm. of women that don't feel like their voice right. can be heard and when mm-hmm. you gain that confidence you you can bring people along with you exactly yeah and also just kind of especially with our teen program it starts at 13 years old so um, for the young women who start competing it kind of really encourages them to not again as I mentioned earlier not put all their eggs in one basket right you know for me being a pre-med student right now a lot of what I do is studying in my apartment by myself with my headphones in <laughs> you know yeah. just head down study all day all day every day but it's really really neat that it encourages young women to keep up with the news but also work on a talent and then also have their volunteer hours and then also st- focus on their academics right not just keeping their head in their textbook all the time yeah it's it's amazing to to be that um aware of your right. surroundings mm-hmm. and really make that many connections right to to people in your community um I just it's just such such an interesting thing that my mind's been really opened by talking to people like yourself and really understanding what the what this is all about, because I think we can Mm -hmm. get um, these preconceived notions of what what a pageant is or what pageant people do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's it's especially neat because um, a lot of the girls, even just from my class, are going on to become lawyers, doctors, um, CEOs. So it's really cool to see, especially, you know, women in male dominated fields taking having that confidence and having that courage to um, do whatever it is they want to do. Right. And be a loud, strong voice in those fields. Yeah, I love that. Um, I want to talk more about what's next for you when we come right back. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. We have Emma Broyles, Miss America 2022. Just so delightful to have you here with us. We've been talking a lot about, you know, Special Olympics, our shared passion, but also Miss America, what pageants are, what they are not, um, and what they can do to to help young women, especially to to gain their voice, to really get that confidence. Um, you are the first Korean American and Alaskan to have this position. Talk about what that means and, and how you see your role, um, for, for others like you, um, that may be looking to you as an example. Yeah, it was such an honor. I actually didn't even know that I was the first Korean American Miss America until I think it was a few days after we had gone through and then they told me and it was so, so incredibly uh, neat. Um, I think that it means a lot, especially this year. I've done quite a few events with Korean um, or Asian American communities. And I recognize, especially, you know, from my own experience growing up, I went to a predominantly white middle school. And I remember I wanted so badly to have the beautiful blonde hair, blue eyes. And at one point, like, I bleached my hair blonde, and it was not a good look. I can tell you that. It was not a good look. 
gonna look. I have those pictures hidden far away in my phone. <laughs> and then I also begged my mom for blue contact lenses, which I looked terrifying with <laughs> blue eyes. Oh my goodness. But it was really kind of difficult, I felt, especially growing up because I really didn't want to acknowledge, you know, the Korean side of me. I really just wanted to be that beautiful bombshell blonde girl. But it wasn't until I got into high school. Um, my high school was very diverse. And we actually had a very large Korean population at my high school. And I was really able to kind of come to terms with and recognize my heritage and the things that make me who I am. And I never really saw um, Korean American or Asian American representation, especially in um, a position like Miss America when I was growing up. So it's really cool to be able to be that person for somebody else. I love that. I love that. And talk a little bit about... You've had some of your own challenges. What are some of your challenges that you've you've worked through yeah. and and how have you had the ability to overcome some of the stuff that's that maybe would have held somebody else back? Yeah, so actually I had the opportunity on the Miss America stage, the finals night, I was asked about um, the importance of public figures and being transparent on social media. And I was able to talk about um, my experience having ADHD and being diagnosed fairly late in my life. I was only diagnosed when I was 19, Mm -hmm. so just two years ago. And then also having dermatillomania, which is basically, it's a form of OCD. It's chronic skin picking. And kind of how those experiences shaped the person that I am today. Um, During the pandemic, it was a really tough time for me. So that was when my sophomore year of college, um, you know, being a pretty good student up until then. I mean, I always had straight A's with one B here or there. I was flunking every other test and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then one of my good friends was telling me about how she was recently diagnosed with ADHD and what her symptoms were. And then all of a sudden I did a bunch of research about how ADHD presents itself in women. And I realized, I think I have ADHD. So I got mm. diagnosed and I started a treatment plan. And all of a sudden it was like the glass, the, sh- the blinds were taken from off my eyes. It was a crazy thing. And then with my skin picking, I mean, I recently posted a TikTok and shared some of the old photos of how bad my skin was. But I would spend, you know, one to two hours every day in front of the mirror picking at my skin and leaving these really deep wounds all over my face. And it became so something that was I was so ashamed of that I wouldn't leave, you know, my apartment for days at a time because I didn't want anyone to see my skin. And I cut off my relationships with all my friends. So I didn't I was so, so ashamed. And then I kind of pulled myself up from my bootstraps from both of those. And then a few months later competed at Miss Alaska. Um, So it was really cool to get to share my story and the fact that you can experience tough challenges in your life. But you need to use. it's about how you use those challenges to your benefit. Right. And it's how you can pull yourself up from those dark times and kind of catapult yourself up into your future. Did you have somebody you talked about, you picked yourself up? Was there somebody in your life that maybe helped you along that path? You know, interestingly enough, I really didn't want to tell people about my ADHD diagnosis or the fact that I was struggling with my skin picking because I was just so ashamed. And I felt like if I told people I had ADHD, they would assume that they would just that label was just going to kind of 
follow over me everywhere I went and people were going to think, oh, she's not capable of becoming a doctor or she's not capable of doing well in life because she has this disorder. Um, so actually, I didn't had no plans of talking about it at the Miss America stage. I just happened to get asked the right question. I was like, you know what? I should I should probably talk about this. But um, it was kind of just something that I worked through on my own. I mean, I spent a lot of time journaling, doing a lot of research and a lot of trial and error before I found what worked for me. Mm, that's amazing. Do you so what was your what was your inspiration for doing pre-med? What what is it that you want to do with with a medical degree? Yeah, so it was really my experience with dermatillomania and how my skin affected the way I viewed myself and how other views other people viewed me that encouraged me to want to become a dermatologist. You know, I worked with my dermatologist and I begged him to put me on Accutane. And he said, no, the Accutane, it's going to dry your skin out and you're going to have even more to pick at because your skin's going to be flaky. No, just trust me. Just try this other medication. And I was so skeptical. But I held on. And about four months in, my skin now is like completely clear. And it was crazy how much of an impact that had on my life. And that simple that simple um, thing that my dermatologist said to steer me in a different direction. So I really was inspired by that. And I know how important my skin is to how I view myself and I really want to be able to, especially of having that, have that experience, be that person for someone else. I love that. So what's next for you with um, Special Olympics? Yeah. So um, I, my um, ambassador term with Special Olympics will actually last for two years. Mm-hmm. So I won't finish for another year after I Miss America, which is really neat because I'll still yeah. get to do quite a few Special Olympics events, even when I'm not Miss America anymore. Um, but I'm going to, of course, continue to volunteer up in the state of Alaska and continue to be an advocate um, and work with Special Olympics at an international level and um, spread the message of inclusion where I can. I love that. Um, would you ever consider running for political office? You know, I thought about it, but it's so crazy because I have so much respect for you and your husband because, oh, my goodness, even just after being Miss America and, you know, being in the public eye. Oh, wow. I realized I never want to be famous. I always wanted to be Kardashian level famous when I was younger. And I realized I just want to have my little home in the suburbs and not talk to anybody ever because I never want people to know what I'm. Oh, my gosh. It was it's, 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 there's it's so much pressure. Yeah. So I have had this newfound respect for public figures and celebrities because wow it is hard <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah and on a whole different level i mean you it just right. nationally and Especially internationally in politics because it's yeah. such a divisive sub it's just a divisive thing i could only imagine how tough it must be kind of just on your mental health in general yeah for sure i mean it's it's one of those things like um you yeah I mean, yeah, it comes to the territory. It but does. Still, and you, like, you, I mean, people, I, I know a lot of people say, you got, you must have thick skin. I'm like, I don't think that's a thing. Right. I don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing that people yeah. have. I mean, either you just decide you're not, you're going to disconnect from mm-hmm. caring about people yeah. or it's going to hurt. Right. And it, you're always going to care about what people think. Yeah. Of you. I mean, right. you, it's, it's, it's tough. But, um, but I think, you know, when you, when you have the confidence that you know, what you're doing is is right, and you're right. caring more about people than mm-hmm. than politics or right, people. Right. You know, people always you know, putting like the haters. People first. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it haters happens. Hate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you yeah, you can only it's inevitable, do, right? You can only do so much, but it's it's disheartening at times. I you know, right. I'm sure you've seen this too. I mean, I I mean, like, you know, my my father recently passed away, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden, you know, like Spencer will post something. 
about that, and then you'll get the the most horrid comments. Right. And I'm and like, like how bit of really? Like, like yeah. are you a human? Right, I'm right. Yeah. Shocked that another human could exactly. say something like that right. in that moment, mm-hmm. and and so like. That probably that well, it doesn't probably it does say more about them than it does us, and so right. you have to think about mm-hmm. it that way. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you have to too. Like when people are disparaging or saying something t- terrible right. or mm-hmm. opinionated, you're just like, you yeah. know what? Exactly, exactly. And that's, that was one that's of the on hardest you. things. Yeah, and that was something that I guess nobody, I I wouldn't have thought of before I won Miss America. You know, I assume that when if you're a celebrity or if you're a public figure, you've got everything. You you have a wonderful life, but I, I never really realized that. You know. Being in the public eye is so it weighs so heavily on you, and it can be so challenging. So now, um, thankfully, this only lasts for one year for me. So I'm going to go back to my normal life as a college student and never look back. <laughs> well, I hope you continue to do things that that empower women and empower um, our friends of determination. Because I, I think, love that. <laughs> I think that you can be a powerful voice uh, as you go forward for the rest of your life, especially as you. As you, you know, finish your your schooling and do amazing things for people. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so and much for I having me. I so loved uh, that we share this, this passion for Special Olympics right. and give your brother a big hug for me. Oh, I certainly will. Okay. Thank you so much. If you'd like to participate in our Unified Soccer Tournament at RSL, come to the stadium October 4th, 10 to 3. We'd love to see you there. You can get more information at SOUT.org. And you can find Miss America on all platforms with Miss America. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.